good scene, isn't it? One man crazy, three very sane spectators. Cabra. Dr. B, and in each episode I will interview an expert in various areas in geoscience and share with you a little bit of their knowledge and expertise in the research of natural problems. Each of our episodes has a central theme, and since we'll have an expert walk us through the various subjects, you don't need to worry about having any previous knowledge of what we'll be talking about. As long as you're passionate about the study of geosciences, I, with the help of our guests and occasional co-hosts, We'll take care of fitting all the information that you need in a casual and fun environment. Today we're talking with Professor Stefano Bolli of the Milano University about how to grow rocks in a lab, aka experimental petrology. That's why I've used all of my editing skills to make that excellent intro. You can't even tell the difference from the 1931 Frankenstein movie. It's a Gabro! Hi, Stefano. Uh, very nice to meet you. Uh, welcome to Nice Chats. Hi. Hi, Vitor. Hi, Silvia. So for this, uh, I was, yesterday I was thinking, how, how was I going to um, open up the episode, you know? And I had in my mind this idea of Frankenstein movie. You know, when the, when the doctor, he creates the monster and he's like, this scene that has a bunch of uh, thunder brrr, and at the end he screams it's alive you know so, so i spent like about an hour uh fiddling with the scene from the movie and uh, eventually it came out a pretty rough uh, audio but i still think it's going to be funny to start with it uh, because what i did is basically i copied the audio from the movie which is already pretty low quality because it's from 1931. And then I just, whenever he says, it's alive, yeah. instead I put the Google voice saying, Cabro. It's going to be fun. Excellent idea. Really yeah. e excellent. Uh, excellent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you should, it's an excellent idea for the... You, you remember that we, we are, we are organizing this yeah. on the rocks film contest. Oh, That's an go. excellent <laughs> idea <laughs> of a story, of a story, of a short, of a short film where, uh, is mad science. old yeah. style yeah. and in the end, <laughs> and in the end, <laughs> it's the guy. Yeah, that'd be funny. And it starts with, uh, with him saying, 
you know, three sane people witnessing one insane person. And he's the insane person that is trying to, you know, to play God. And he says, it's a, it's alive. And, and we're saying, it's a God, bro. And then at the end, he says, ah, now I know how it is to be God. <laughs> um, so this is my first time talking to you and getting to meet you. But you and my significant other here know each other for a while, right? That is, of course, Dr. Silvia Volante, co-host of uh, Nice Chats. Hi, Stefano. How's it going? Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you here today with us and having a nice chat with you about fake uh, rocks. Thank you. It's <laughs> a pleasure for me to be here and thank you for inviting me. I will do my best to present the, the, the world of experimental petrology. And let me ask you, uh, did you teach Sylvia when she was uh, studying at Milan? Uh, we, we, we had a field course together, right? Uh, it, it was yeah, a long, long yeah, time well, ago, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we went to, I think, Bazzena. We went yeah. to Bazzena. We yeah, Bazzena, yeah the South Bernadamello. Uh, and... and in, yeah, exactly. But we went also to um, the Cesia Lanzo zone. Yeah, not yeah, the Cesia Lanzo zone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. It was long time. <laughs> but we surely did uh, the course of Ignis yeah, Petrology. Right. Yeah, but uh, it's the reason I know that you taught her some courses is because she told me in uh, confidence that she cheated on your exam. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, awesome. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She would never do that. <laughs> but so, uh, in any so, case, she. I mean, she progresses quite. She progressed quite well. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's good. So let's play a game to open our palette, shall we? Uh, today we'll play a brand new game called Geocaching. Geocaching. So in this game, I'm going to give you a geoscience fact and you will try to guess which of the location I'm speaking of. And I'll give you a few options uh, so that you can choose from. Okay. 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 Right. Pretty straightforward. Let's see how you do it. huh? <laughs> Yeah. Dolomite is a mineral, right. but it's also the name of a sedimentary carbonate rock when it contains a high percentage of that mineral. Where was the rock Dolomite first described? Option one, in the Dolomite Alps in northeastern Italy, in a building in Rome that was made of dolostone, or in the Triassic Dolomitic rocks from Slovakia. Uh -huh. I would say from Italy. <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 good, the Italy one. But do you think it's from the Dolomites yeah. or no, from no, Rome? from the Dolomites. <laughs> so the answer is actually Dolomite, the mineral, was discovered in the Dolomites, but, or, or at least like has its name from the Dolomites, but the rock Dolomite, as far as I understand, was first described in a building in oh, really? Rome. I, I'm, I tried to prepare something about the history of experimental petrology, but on sedimentary rocks, I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to that pretty, pretty soon. Uh, I, I think that all of the questions we did here are actually tricky ones. Uh, now that I think of it, uh, they all have a bit of like a surprising answer, let's say. 
what I think is is interesting about the you know this uh, supposedly this first description of dolomite coming from a building is uh, is something I've learned from a professor of mine from undergrad, Professor Gilberto Costa, uh, that you can learn so much about the local geology just from looking at the rocks that make up the constructions. Uh, so, for example, you know, in uh, in Catania, all the buildings are white and black. And then in Napoli, you have the yellow yeah, from yellow the tough. Yeah. 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 Uh, but in the case of Rome, you have like a, so many varieties of rock types in the buildings, which is the reflection of, you know, the grandeur of the empire, you know. But uh, what I think is that uh, maybe, you know, the Roman Empire should have kept going because look, Look at the world now. There's pineapple on pizza. We're all doomed. <laughs> this is unacceptable. <laughs> uh, okay, so next question. The Challenger Deep in the Pacific Ocean Mariana Trench is the deepest known point in the Earth. However, where is the point on the surface of the Earth that is the furthest from the center? Switzerland, Nepal, Canada, or Ecuador. Now, so I'll, I'll give you a little tip here. Um, obviously, the highest point on Earth is the Himalaya, in the, is the Everest in the Himalayas, right? But we're actually asking what is the furthest from yeah. the center. So what do you think? Who? <laughs> I don't know. That's difficult. I don't know. Ecuador. I don't know. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's, That's right. it. It is Ecuador. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So the, 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 the cool thing about this one is that Chimborazo uh, summit, it is the furthest point okay. on the Earth's surface from the Earth's center because, you know, it's located in the equatorial bulge. So basically, you know, we all imagine Earth as a perfect ball it is not yeah exactly it's more like a disc let's say so yeah that's why it's because in that area there is more distance between the surface yeah, and the center point. so correct well done. Uh, at, at least one <laughs> <laughs> so we talked with rebecca harrington on the second part of the rebecca trilogy about earth tremors but i forgot to ask her this question so i'm gonna ask you instead which country is the most prone to earthquakes? China, Japan, New Zealand, or America? Or as you might know it, USA. I would say Japan, but it's a small, so maybe, so maybe US. US would be a good guess, but it's actually China. China. China, yeah. I think because of uh, the Himalayas. Ah, yes, that's true. You have the southern portion of the... Ah, China. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Yeah. Very surprising, yeah. isn't it? I have just one more, which is the Paris Agreement is a treaty on climate change. And its goal is to limit global warming uh, to below 2, but preferably 1.5 degrees Celsius. And in order to do that, countries sign the agreement and they must reach global peaking of greenhouse emission ASAP as possible. That's an office joke. <laughs>
My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Um, which country has the highest CO2 emission per capita? Now, this is the tricky bit, right? Is per capita, and this is according to the World Meter website. I'll give you four options: China, USA, Australia, or Qatar. I guess Qatar. <laughs> no. Yes, exactly. I think we can all agree that we may have gone a little too far on how tricky these questions were. I feel like my structural geology professor from undergrad. You know, you always had to second guess yourself. Polly still knocked it out of the park. If you have ideas for future episodes or guests, please write to our email nicechats at gmail.com. Please subscribe to Nice Chats and give us a five-star review and follow us on all the socials. Uh, okay, Polly, but uh, let's then talk about something a bit more interesting. Do you want to talk about experimental petrology? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I would be pleased. Well, in that case, uh, I'd like to ask you first, what is experimental petrology? Probably there are different definitions. Uh, I, I, I like to go back to probably the, the, the first, first set of experiments performed actually more than 200 years ago by Sir James Hall. In, 19, in 1812, actually, he started doing experiments uh, in the, in, in the, at the end of the 18th century. But then he published his, uh, his paper in, uh, in, 18, in 1812. And the title of his, uh, of, his, uh, of, of this contribution to the Royal Society of Edinburgh, Edinburgh uh, was account of a series of experiments showing the effects of a compression in modifying the action of heat. He writes, fire and water, the only agents in nature by which stony substances are produced under our observations, were employed by contending sects of geologists to explain all the, all the phenomena of the mineral kingdom. So... Uh, basically, in, in, I mean, experiment, experimental petrology is trying to, uh, to simulate what happens in nature uh, using lead. And basically, uh, we use fire, uh, so we use heat. In many cases, we use uh, uh, a volatile substance, so for instance, water. And then if we want to reproduce the, the interior of the earth, we need compression. Uh, so we need heat, compression in, in many cases, and uh, volatile substances. Originally, the, the idea was simply to put the, the, your, your material in a, in a vessel or in a, in a furnace and then see what happened. Uh, what happens in actually James Hall used a, a big gun barrel he sealed this gun barrel and uh, he had a, a very, very nice furnace uh, built uh, around, built on this uh, gun barrel. And he was able to actually to melt, to melt calcite for the first time. 
so a limestone base. So he demonstrated that uh, with pressure, you can melt a limestone, you can melt calcite with water rather than the, car the, than the, the carbonate. Eh? So to, instead of producing lime from uh, a limestone, he was uh, melting calcite. And he demonstrated so how pressure has an effect on uh, uh, on phase relationships on uh, on how a, a mineral behaves at high temperature, especially at the at the, at the beginning of the, the development of experimental petrology. Uh, we were simply doing attempts to to simulate, but then. And more and more, we are focusing on, uh, for instance, phase equilibria. So we are trying to um, to obtain a more constrained condition. So we, in, in experimental petrology, we try to uh, either to reproduce uh, equilibrium, or we force the system to be in uh, in sort of. A, transient state and uh, and to see how processes uh, develop through time mm -hmm. and you yeah you mentioned um using that he used the uh, calcite is it as his starting material yeah I think. Uh, but what kind of uh, starting material can you have nowadays uh, in this experiment uh it depends a lot on the purpose right right now so it depends on it depends on which kind of uh, geological process you, you want you want to simulate, and you can use real rocks in some cases. Uh, actually, not not so often. And more commonly, we use uh, different minerals, different different uh, uh, powders or fluids uh, to build up uh, fake rocks. Um, it depends a lot on the on, on what you want to do, and actually, it's uh, it's just like cooking. It's a petrological cuisine. <laughs> so you you in some cases you can simply uh, eat what you prepare. I mean, eat, eat um, for instance a salad as it is, mm -hmm. or you just add some some flavoring, some some seasoning. In other cases. You start from uh, basic ingredients, flour, sugar, uh, you put some egg, salt, etc. And in, uh, for other uh, uh, recipes, you, the preparation is very elaborate. Huh? So maybe you have to, before you, have, you cook something and then you have to rework what you cooked before and combine that, I don't know, uh, imagine uh, preparing a cake. Uh, in some cases, yeah. it can be very, very elaborate. Well, yeah, even uh, even a lasagna, that first you need to make the pasta, yeah. then you need to make the, exactly. um, the ragu. Exactly. Right, yeah. And then, you, and then you put everything together and you still have to cook it more. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the case. Mm. So, yeah, it depends. It depends on what you want to do. If you want to do... Uh, that's good. That's a very good um, metaphor. And, you know, I haven't had a lot of experience with fake rocks or experimental petrology. So I have to ask you, why would you go for that 
if you can have something all natural. So why use a fake rock instead of a natural rock in general as, a, as an object of study? Okay, we, we want to extract uh, um, usually quantitative information from, from a rock. Okay, mm -hmm. so that we have many variables in geology uh, that control obviously the, the formation of mineral assemblages uh, and of textures uh, and, and, and the properties related to these uh, assemblages and textures. And so we, we need quantitative parameters. We, need, we have to know exactly what happened. And mm -hmm. so obviously in the lab, we can control uh, many of these variables. Uh, and so mm, you can do, obviously you can do cook and look, what we call cook and look experiments, but in most cases uh, we, we prepare the, um, the experiment in a, in a fashion that we can, uh, we can extract uh, some, for instance, thermodynamic parameters, then useful to extrapolate our experiments to a, to a broader field, to a broader uh, interpretation and modeling of, uh, of natural processes. So the, the, big, ad the big advantage of a, of a synthetic, of a fake rock is that it contains, it is uh, built up uh, at uh, quite controlled conditions. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. It's all about control then with, the, with fake rocks compared to natural samples. But you also talked about, you know, the variability that there is in the natural samples. How close can we reproduce that variability uh, with experiments? How many parameters can we change or something? I don't know. Uh, obviously, uh, the lab is a simplified world. It's a small world. It's a simplified world. So we have to be patient and select uh, a specific part of the, of the, of the process we, have, we want to investigate and, and, and to model that, that block, uh, that block. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and then uh, one block after, after the other, we can reconstruct the, the, the entire story. So it, it is possible uh, to, to, to follow the, 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 the variability of the, of, of the natural world, but uh, uh, yes, we have to, to, to be patient. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. So basically what you do is that you can try to match that variability, but you do it one step at a time so that you maintain control of what's happening yeah. instead of like in nature where everything's happening at the same time and you don't know if like X explains it or Y explains it. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because otherwise you go back to what we call cook and look. Uh, okay, so now let's get to like you know the the recipe for the lasagna. How do you make fake rock? Uh, it's a long story, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, so in 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 general, 
uh, as exactly as as for the recipe as uh, in your kitchen if you want to prepare a cake so you have the ingredients for instance for the lasagna you first prepare the dough uh, but then obviously that's not enough then you need a container so the right container and not only the right container but then you have to decide what to do if you put a cover not a cover you, you should decide which kind of uh, conditions for instance uh, uh, with the, with some water without some water so you have to, because you want in in the, in the oven you have to control the the humidity yeah? and so in some cases uh, it's desirable to have uh, uh, to have a venting of the furnace. In other case, you 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 require more static conditions without uh, removing the 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 humidity from um, from your uh, duff. Uh, then obviously the uh, the oven, etc. So it's a uh, <clears throat> each step in the in this preparation requires. Um, a specific strategy. So the final goal is obviously to obtain, uh, for instance, a rock, a fluid, a mineral, uh, or an, an assembly, an assemblage of all of these phases. Um, so this is the final goal, but to reach this final goal, you have to control each step so even in, uh, I mean, there is only a couple of books in, uh, in experimental petrology. Um, typically, before you explain, you, um, you should find the right strategy in preparing the starting material. Then how to contain the, this starting material. Typically, we use capsules uh, with the noble metals. Uh, so, so, so such that we isolate the starting material from the rest of the world. Uh, then we have the the assembly of the uh, of the experiment because you cannot. I mean, in most cases, you cannot just put your capsule in the in the high temperature, high pressure instrumentation. So you need something around the capsule especially in what we call solid media uh, apparatus. And then you have the, the machine itself uh, or the furnace itself uh, that is controlled, uh, etc. And then at the end, it's very important, obviously, to have analytical facilities. So which kind of geological processes can you reproduce with experiments? Yeah, so many. But... As, uh, as we discussed before, I mean, one at a time, we can reproduce the crystallization of the magma, its physical properties, you know, the viscosity, or the volatile solubility uh, of H2O, CO2 in that magma. We can do synthetic fluids. We can, we can uh, produce fluids. Uh, geological fluids. Uh, obviously, we, we can reproduce uh, the, the process of metamorphism or the compaction of a solid uh, element partition in rheology. 
we can measure uh, specific properties, for instance, uh, electrical properties uh, or elastic properties. Uh, so the important thing is select your favorite uh, processor or your favorite mineral or your favorite rock and 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 uh, and phase properties and then uh, and then develop the the best strategy to to model that property so this is this is important the more the, the uh, um Obviously, the the more the the, the experiment is controlled, the the best you will will be the extrapolation of your data to to other conditions. Yeah, uh, maybe there is one one thing that it's hard to to really reproduce is obviously time. So there's a variable. There are so many variables we can con control more or less well. It depends on the on the on the facility we use. So we can control pressure, we can control temperature. More difficult to control um, the the behavior of volatiles, etc. But obviously, is uh, time. Is a critical variable. Also, you're saying that you can't set up an experiment now and look at it in a few million years. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you if you if you want to reproduce uh, uh, growth, grain growth, or rheological properties where you have a rate, a strain rate, or a growth rate, or or whatever uh, textural evolution, uh, you are limited by time. So there is a scaling down of the processes, and then you have to obviously. The, the point is that all of the time-dependent uh, uh, laws uh, are exponential, and so they are not linear. So there is no sense to run an experiment for one day, two days, three days, four days. So you have to progress exponentially. I don't know, one hour, one day, 10 days. <laughs> and then soon uh, you have no, you, you cannot wait uh, 10 years for, to see what happened. And so um, the point is that you have to model a lot, to extrapolate a lot. So this, that's one of the major limits of, of experimental pathology. Uh, You've obviously had a very prolific career. Uh, and which are some of the main questions that you tackled during your career that you're particularly proud of? I was working mostly with, with the role of volatiles, uh, first water and later carbon in phase equilibria, mostly in subduction zone processes and in orogenic settings. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time uh, investigating uh, hydros minerals in uh, high pressure, uh, amphibole, epidote, lozonite, uh, a lot of uh, on amphibole and epidote. I mean, epidote, epidote group minerals are very interesting because 
I mean, most geologists consider epidote as a accessory mineral, as a minor mineral, stable at uh, green schist facies, but epidote is present up to well above a thousand degrees C. So it's also magmatic mineral and it contain it contains a lot of information so it's a nice it's a nice petrological uh, indicator a petrological treasure okay so before we get into our three final questions which are always the same every episode i want to know more about the on the rocks project on the rocks yeah already uh, okay, the, the original idea was to stimulate PhD students to communicate in a different way because PhD students are imprinted by their tutor. Their tutor, mm -hmm. in most cases, they are senior guys and they don't know multi, they are, I mean, they don't know that much multimedia, social media. And in any case, new ways to new way to to I mean to where to be creative, and so we this we suggested to um, to present their uh, three-year work in three minutes. So this was the original idea: three years in three minutes. Uh, I actually didn't work that much <laughs> to, to be honest we, we had a relatively limited number of submissions in the last three editions of the of the film contest from the phd student uh, and most of the contributions were from uh, passionate people or even scientists but uh, without uh, without a specific uh, age uh, range uh, uh, from, from kids to, I mean, old guys passionate of digging in, uh, digging in a hole, uh, looking for a specific mineral or something like that. So a uh, quite diverse approach to geology. And so in the end of this year, we decided to have a more traditional um, film festival. So we will have best, uh, best story, best uh, student film. So the important thing is that uh, the topic is uh, geology in a very general sense. And we simply have... Uh, time limit, a duration of the film, which is four minutes and 55 seconds. You know why? No, why? Think about four, oh, 55. Oh, yeah, the of the earth. Ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> correct. <laughs> so instead of having three minutes, we decided, so uh, the idea was uh, everybody is thinking, why four minutes and 55 seconds? What, <laughs> what, what a strange uh, duration limit. Why should we do that? And then is the age of the earth. So obviously in the ceremony, we will, we will argue about that. And That's cool, yeah. 
Yes. So when when is going to be the ceremony? The ceremony will be in September, and uh, I don't remember if it is the 14th of September or something like that, uh, when the uh, meeting of the geological uh, Italian Geological Society will be in Trieste. But it will be live streaming, obviously, because oh, that's nice. we don't know, and in any case, it's easier. So it, everybody will be online, and the winner is <laughs> so the, be <laughs> the best film is, the best uh, story is, the best screenplay is. And we will, and, the, and we will show the, the, the film. So the, the idea is to have a, to, to stimulate, to communicate in a different way. Eh? We, we hope to have many, to have films, uh, even experiment, what we call experimental is a different sense when you in, in multimedia, in visual arts, in visual arts is, I mean, experimental is not. Uh, our in experimental <laughs> so yeah people playing with the colors of rocks uh, with uh, even with sounds of rocks or playing with uh, with the textures uh, or anything around around geology that's that's pretty cool and are the submissions open still yeah or? yeah the submission the deadline is uh uh, on 25 of July. Okay. So there is still time to to submit. Mm -hmm. And rich, I mean, prices are, I mean, 15, 1500 euro. Huh? So mm. it's a good, <laughs> good, so nice. Bad. Not, not that bad. Not that bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's cool. Uh, so for the next segment, we like to always ask the same three questions at the end of episode. Uh, they are a bit more personal uh, and they are designed to make each guest a bit more familiar to the listener and allow us to compare experiences and opinions across all of the geoscience research fields. And the first question, as always, is how did you first decide to become a geoscientist? Uh, I was at the high school, obviously. Uh, okay. It was my passion for mountaineering, uh, for... For, for nature, but actually I was also attracted by lab work. So geology was a good uh, combination huh? of lab work, of uh, uh, analytical and, uh, and mechanical activity uh, with, uh, with the nature and, yeah. and uh, cool. how, how mountain for, but actually my first outcrop was uh, on uh, sedimentary rock, to be honest. <laughs> not on, not uh, not on, not, not on a, on a, on a metamorphic or magmatic rock. Uh, what are some of the specifics of the research that you are conducting now? So you said that now you're going to have a bit more time to, to maybe write papers. Uh, what are these papers going to be about? Uh, mostly on carbonates, uh, both experimentally and on, in nature. And I'm working on a thermodynamic model for carbonate melt in, 
So calcite, dolomite, magnesite, siderite. So this kind of, uh, and obviously the, 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 the melting of carbonates is important for both mantle processes, but also for, for instance, um, uh, modeling the formation of uh, al alkaline carbonatitic rocks where critical elements are fractionated. So that's the motivation for having uh, a model, a thermodynamic model for uh, carbonate and carbonatitic liquid. And then we are also working on very nice uh, xenoliths from Mercaderes in, uh, in Colombia where we observed uh, uh, dismantled xenoliths are uh, metasomatized by uh, carbonatitic melts. And this was quite unexpected because you are in a typical subduction zone setting. Uh, but we have uh, aragonite in, in, included in, uh, in garnets, in, uh, in, uh, in pteridotite garnets. So uh, quite strange. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, basically carbon recycling, modeling cool. carbon recycling, modeling carbon cycle. Um, okay, so the last one is what do you enjoy doing when you're not geosciencing? Yeah. So again, obviously still mountaineering, skiing, biking, so open air activity. Then obviously wine tasting with friends chatting discussing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh wait uh, where is the best uh, which one is the best uh, wine region in italy you think? ah the best region I, I like wines from northern italy but obviously this is uh, so i like i mean they're quite different but uh, yeah i like the collio region but mm -hmm. obviously even the barolo region <laughs> obviously i mean the the, the so in piemont uh, these are very, very famous. Yeah. And then now in the, in, in, in the last few years, I, I like, I'm trying to, to, to go filming a little bit, but this is more related to geoscience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Time lapses on, uh, on outcrops. <laughs> Oh, time lapse, like, uh, but with people working on them. No, or? no, time lapse on how 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 rocks changes with changing light. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. If you do That's if you cool, do a yeah. time lapse on on a rock, yeah. obviously the the you change the shadows, you change the the color of the light. It's moving. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Polly, thank you so much for teaching us about these uh, so-called fake rocks. And uh, I have to say that I've always been a bit intimidated by experimental petrology, but I feel much safer now that I know you can compare it to cooking a lasagna. Exactly. And I love lasagna. So. Great. That's perfect. <laughs> thank you so much. It was really a, a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much, Stefano. Today we learned that unlike fake news, fake rocks are actually pretty cool.
Nice Chats is part of the Geology Podcast Network, and it is sponsored by Traveling Geologists. Follow Traveling Geologists on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. More episodes of this and other GPN podcasts are available at travelinggeologists.com or wherever you get your podcasts, like uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Boy, do we have a treat for you. Stay tuned and see the surprise that we have been working on. On the next episode of Nice Chats, out in 15 days or two weeks. Nothing like cooking some rocks to work up our appetite. Now, I know I've used this pun before, but it is very relevant to this episode. See you in two weeks.